Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast for mid-career professionals looking for practical career guidance. I'm Kat Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. And today's podcast comes from me seeing one of our guests' tweets and getting really angry. I think anger is kind of the tip of the iceberg because when you told me about it, I felt disappointed. I felt frustrated. And kind of like WTF that this stuff is still happening. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so what are we talking about? Today, we are talking about the experience being a woman or really just being a non-cis white male in tech with Kat Cosgrove. I met Kat about two years ago, and she impressed me with her candor, wit, and down-to-earth realness. When I saw Kat tweet about the discomfort and annoyance of being hit on after presenting at a major conference, it just made me sick. I asked her to join us today for a real conversation about her experiences and how we can hopefully bring about change. Welcome, Kat. Please tell us about your career and how you got to where you are today. Hello there. Uh, So I'm a staff developer advocate, and uh, I didn't start that way. I I used to be a software engineer, but I I don't have a college degree. I did go to college. I went to college for biochemical engineering, but I also dropped out of college and uh, worked as a bartender for a while. I was a a clerk at an independent video store. Mm I... um, went to a coding boot camp and then I taught at that boot camp, moved into engineering, built something really cool <laughs> and uh, got a bunch of requests to talk about it at conferences, which somebody else liked and I got poached and here I am. But uh, I'm excited to get to talk about this because I do, I get a lot of requests to talk about, oh, what's it like to be a woman in tech? Because people love that kind of content, but they always want a fluff piece. They don't ever actually mm-hmm. want to hear about what it's like. They want some like uplifting, heartfelt, like lovey-dovey uh, hug party shit. And <laughs> no, that's just like, that. that's, that's not reality. That is like mm-hmm. absolutely not the way this actually goes. So mm-hmm. Uh, I, I appreciate an opportunity to talk about the ugly parts of what it's actually like being a woman in tech and more specifically being uh, a woman in tech with an extremely public persona. Mm-hmm. So thanks for having me. We're, we're happy you're here. So you've been a developer for about five years. Is that correct? Yeah, I've been a developer advocate for two. Okay, okay um, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And so so have you noticed a difference in your experiences in a more public role versus a more private developer type role? Uh, so as a developer, the sexism I experienced was uh, more like being being radically underpaid, um, hmm. being, mm-hmm. uh, being underappreciated, being underestimated, being overworked and being talked over in, in meetings a mm. lot. But as a, as a developer advocate, as somebody like whose, whose job it is to be out there, to be public, mm-hmm. to be talking to people constantly, I have like 20,000 Twitter followers, mm-hmm. uh, which is super uncomfortable by the way, actually, uh, is I get hit on a lot a lot, a lot. And when I don't respond the way uh, these people want me to respond, Mm -hmm. uh, it has uh, twice now threatened my job. So, uh, yeah. Somebody somebody actually tried to get me fired, like like contacted my employer's HR department. Wow. And what happened? Did the HR department defend you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately. Like I told my boss, like once I was 
in a Discord server for a tech conference, mm -hmm. like a mm -hmm. tech conferences, since yep. everything is virtual, some of them are using Discord instead of Slack sure. because it's sure. easier to build a community in Discord than it is in Slack. Sorry yep. about it, Slack. But that just is the way it is. Yeah. And um, after the conference was over, this guy uh, DM'd me initially to try to like um, poach me for a job. And I normally, like that alone is a problem. That alone is a code of conduct violation for the conference. You can't use conference resources in that way as mm -hmm. a recruiter. Like you, you cannot do that. And that's, that's a problem. But also... Um, he he referred to women as females, which is always like, just don't don't do that. It's very clinical. It's dehumanizing. It's degrading. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, like, that's no, this is inappropriate. But also, mm -hmm. like, just for future reference, you can't you can't say that. Yeah. Like that's that's insulting. And he flew off the handle about it. Um, said some. I can't possibly be sexist. My sister is a lesbian uh, type of stuff. And I was like, how, first awesome. of all, how is that relevant? Yeah. Right, like, right. It, like, like what, what on earth does that have to do with anything? Right. But uh, I posted redacted screenshots of it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no identifying information for this person at first mm -hmm. on Twitter in the screenshots I posted. But uh I get, he found it, which is not not hard to do. My no. Twitter account is very it's very public. It's not hard to find the screenshots, and uh, kind of like outed himself. So I didn't mm -hmm. redact his username in in follow up screenshots of him like mm -hmm. continuing to blow up my DMs, and he claimed that my followers physically threatened him and his family, like tracked him down IRL, threatened him and his family, that there's no universe in which that happened and he couldn't provide any proof. Mm -hmm. He um, filed a code of conduct complaint against me with the conference. They denied it, said like, you're, you're absolutely the one who's fucked up here. Mm -hmm. So he threatened to contact my HR department and they said, if you do that, yes. we will ban you from this conference. Mm -hmm. Like, and he did it anyway. So I warned my boss, like, hey, this is going to come in. Like, mm -hmm. this this guy's making a threat. Mm -hmm. uh, I need you to be aware of this and get ahead of it before mm -hmm. the HR department sees it. But the HR department was very cool about it. They were like, this is, <laughs> this is not okay. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try to talk to his employer's HR department because this has gone, like, beyond the pale. Like, somebody trying to get you fired because they're mad that you have a problem with calling women females. But... Like, I don't get, first, like, I don't I even start with, like, when you're reaching out to someone saying, hey, I want to hire you, like, why is gender even, like, even, in the conversation? Why? So I'm not, but let, let's just say for, just for the record, that's just, who cares? Like, that's not why we reach out to people. Now, taking that off the table, like, this aggression and this, like, anger and stuff that you've experienced as a more, especially since becoming a more public person in tech like what is that like in your knowing you know disclaimer disclaimer we're not doctors on this show we haven't sure. we don't have psych degrees yada 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 but like what do you think that's about i i genuinely am I, maybe it's they're they're conditioned that mm -hmm. way you know um they're they're conditioned to think that women are we're supposed to be more docile we're supposed to be more 
more pleasant. We're supposed to be people pleasers and, and we are conditioned that way. I just am not that way yeah. because that's not the way my dad raised me. Right. But that is the way lots of women are socialized from, from birth, you know? Yeah. And men are often socialized in a way that's that's more aggressive, the way mm-hmm. to the 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 machismo type of yeah. thing, you know, and it's it's gross. And I don't like the there's all of this advice for women that in order to succeed in tech, you have to be more assertive. You have to be mm-hmm. more mean. You have to be more loud. You have to be bossy, like go like the, the whole like girl boss thing. And I think that sucks because for me that works. I am assertive and loud and mean and aggressive and Mm -hmm. it it feels very natural for me, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that the default should be forcing women to be louder and be more mean. Well, like why, why can't men chill the fuck out a little? Like, like, why can't you bring it down a notch too? Like we can meet in the middle here, (laughs) you know? Well, it's happening. It continues to happen because they get away with it. They right? do. They do get and away that's, with it. That's why yeah. it's happening. And that's that's what pissed off Liz and I. It was like, this is just ridiculous. It's 2021. You shouldn't have to have be going through this type of stuff. Yeah. I think the one y'all are talking about is when I like like after a virtual conference, somebody like DM'd me in the hallway track on yeah. a Zoom and said, mm-hmm. You're you're so beautiful. Don't say that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, I know. Okay. <laughs> I like I am acutely aware. Mm -hmm. of how good looking I am. And Mm -hmm. I'm not at all ashamed of that, even though women are also conditioned to kind of hedge the fact that they're pretty and go like, oh no, not really. When you tell them that they're beautiful, Uh I am. And I get it. I know. But you, this is not the time to tell me that. Mm -hmm. I am at work. work. Right. Like this is my job. Don't, and don't I don't know you. So if you're my (laughs) friend and I'm about to give a speech and you, and you're yeah. I'm about to go out and you're my bud and you're like, you look great. You're going to rock it. You kick butt. Yeah. That's fine. That's totally different. That's, That's totally, totally different, different yeah. than what just happened. Yeah. Yeah. You're like a- I gas up my friends all the time. Sure. Like I will like without reservations, tell my friends how hot they look. Yes. All of my friends are hot, you of know, course. like absolutely. But they're my friends. And right. like Twitter kind of breathes this like parasocial relationship thing where people Mm -hmm. like they see you a lot they reply to your tweets a lot and even if you don't reply or maybe you do it doesn't matter but they they interpret the relationship as being an actual friendship yeah uh, when it's when it's actually like very Mm one-sided and so it kind of encourages people to like say things that they they really should not and frequently that is in Mm -hmm. the form of uh, being flirtier than they should be, uh, mm-hmm. making comments on your appearance more often than they should be. My DMs are disgusting. Like, I don't look at my filtered DMs anymore because they just, some of them are actual tech questions. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I just, I don't, I don't look at them anymore. I can't because it's, yeah. mm-hmm. it's a cesspit <laughs> in there. So, do you think it's different? Like, like, I mean, Kat and I have worked in tech for mm-hmm. a long time, but like, we're not technical people in tech. Mm-hmm. Like sure. we're not, we're p- kind of playing in our own field. Right. And, and we're in a field that it tends to have more women right. or, mm-hmm. and, and like, we both have opinionated assertive personalities. So it works for us. Sure. But um, like, what do you see a difference between how women who are technical are treated versus not technical? Yeah, for sure. So what do you see there? The like the shitty expectation of like the particular type of dude who who does stuff like this is that women are less technical, just like inherently. Right. 
Yeah. Like they assume that we are just like physiologically less capable of the type of like critical thinking that's necessary to be Mm -hmm. uh, an engineer. And so, yeah, they just default assume that I'm incompetent. Mm-hmm. Whereas with more creative roles or like salesy roles or that kind of thing, like mm-hmm. those those are generally more dominated by by women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it requires okay. I don't think it actually requires more soft skills to be good at it, but the uh, common understanding is that it's a soft skills only role, right? right? And that women are for soft skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually do think that to be a truly excellent engineer, you you need to have soft skills. That's why mm-hmm. I'm good at what I do. But yeah. Um, yeah, they they just assume that women are less technical. So we we get it yeah. more or at least more openly. Mm-hmm. The best engineers, I believe, understand the customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have to talk to the customer to understand mm-hmm. them. And they ask good questions and they inquire. And then they build what the customer needs. And that's why it sells. Yeah. And also uh, we work better with a team. Uh, yeah. No, Nobody actually likes the 10X lone wolf engineer. <laughs> like that guy is active, actively detrimental to the team. He sucks to work with. Yeah. I cannot stand having a lone wolf 10X engineer on my team. So like, sorry um, about it. If any of your listeners are those. <laughs> well, then they need to learn to work with others. <laughs> they need to learn to communicate. Yeah. It's actually super important. <laughs> it really is. So let's talk about, you know, people's behavior at work versus at conference kind of conferences or more social kind of events. What has your experience been? Uh, So I have been lucky to have very good teams, uh, like internally, where I don't have to deal with those kinds of problems. I don't deal with sexism like at the office, Um, at least, I mean, not anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. My last couple jobs, it has not been an issue. And when it has occasionally been an issue with somebody from another team, I've been very lucky to have teammates who will not, they won't speak for me, but they will speak up in my defense. Nice. Uh, because, because, you know, for, with unfortunately, uh, the people who do this stuff, they don't listen to me when I say, hey, you know, I was talking. Yeah. But they will listen to like my tech lead when he says, hey, she was talking. Right. Uh, conferences, though, it's different because it is so social, and that's actually where like most of my work is now. Mm-hmm. When I'm not, you know, trapped inside because right. there's a pandemic. Because right. I, I do have to be on the whole time. I'm a very sure. different person at a conference than I am mm-hmm. like at the office. Oh, we know. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you we have to that. be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to tolerate more, though. I do that less now. I'm pretty quick mm-hmm. to file a code of conduct violation if somebody does something crappy at a conference uh, at this point, because I just, mm-hmm. it's its not its not worth protecting these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is worth my time and energy and effort to go through the drama of a COC complaint mm-hmm. to make sure that this person is removed and can't do this to somebody. I can tolerate it. Somebody else might not be able to tolerate it. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't have to tolerate it. Mm-hmm. But I do... There, there's a lot of drinking at tech conferences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, drinking and bad behavior, and yeah. it's, it's amazing what happens when someone has a few drinks. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it is just like it's a thing. I have had people make me—I've never felt unsafe. Mm-hmm. I have had people make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, mm-hmm. at conferences. So my thing now is, if I'm at a conference alone, like I don't have any actual friends there, I will still go to the like after conference like parties and the mm-hmm. like attendee party, the booth crawl, whatever, Mm -hmm. but I will have two drinks Mm -hmm. and then I switch to soda water with bitters and lime because it looks like a cocktail Mm -hmm. and people 
don't think I'm being a killjoy, but also I get to stay sober. Yeah. So, and it's like, it sucks that I have to do that, but you know. We did an episode early on about conference behavior and, you know, that's what we kind of recommend anyway, like Mm -hmm. so that you're not the dude being a total jackass. Oh, nobody wants to be that guy. Like I watched somebody at a conference get like absolutely obliterated Mm -hmm. and then throw up on his boss's Uh, lap. Oh. Yeah. Like that's so embarrassing. So they embarrassing. they put him on a plane. He didn't get fired, but they did put him on a plane home the next morning. Mm-hmm. Like, and this was like day one of the of a five day conference, and they put him on a plane home the next yeah. day from Bangkok too. Like oh, we were in Bangkok. Oh, wow! And they had to fly him back to the UK. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so I think your rule is a really good general one, mm-hmm. but I but we're talking about being a woman in this situation. And I think that the fact that you know, like you're doing that, not just because it's a business savvy thing to do, but because you need to keep yourself safe and alert and not end up in a situation where you're in a hallway with someone with a creeper. Yeah. That's the difference. Like that's the difference. Cause like developer advocates aren't expected to be hyper-professional all the time, at least not right. all of them. You know, yeah. like developer advocates are a weird thing. Mm-hmm. There are not that many of us and we all mm-hmm. have very different ways of approaching being developer advocates. Mm-hmm. I very rarely sound professional. It is not mm-hmm. my brand. I don't mm-hmm. do that. You will never see me at a conference in a suit mm-hmm. or a dress or whatever. I don't do that. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I might show up on stage in sweatpants, you know, like it, yeah. it's part of my brand and it does very well for me. So I don't sure. have to worry about acting professional at a conference. Mm-hmm. I do, however, have to worry about my personal safety in a way mm-hmm. that my male colleagues don't. Yes. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, that's the piece that really irks me, mm-hmm. yeah. right? That this is still happening today. Yeah. yeah. Constantly. It's, uh, it's, it's unpleasant. I expect it to be worse, uh, once in-person events resume, oh, yeah. just cause nobody remembers how to interact with people. Right. So, well, and I'd love to see, like, I, I'm all for calling people out. Like I have, I, and I've been seeing it more and more like screenshot douchebag alert. Like, yeah, you know, this guy, he's a douche and like going for it that way. Like, I'm at that point with being frustrated that, as Kat said, that it's 2021. What the hell? We know, you know better. You just know better. better. And so, like, what else would you like to see? Like, if we could sit here and write a rule book of, like, how to work with people who are different than you. Advice for, especially for men working with women, but really just, like, anyone that doesn't look like you do in the mirror kind of thing. Like, what would you say to people Besides don't be a douchebag, because that's like the clear rule that obviously people can't follow. So, okay. I do tweet about the like negative interactions I have with Mm -hmm. like men hitting on me in the course of doing my job on a semi-regular basis. And every time I do, Mm -hmm. I get somebody who has an issue with the fact that I'm limiting the places in which they can pick up chicks. They go, (laughs) oh, well, you know, so if we work together in an office, this wouldn't be okay. And I, every time I'm like, fucking no, no. It, it wouldn't. So I, my piece of advice would be like, you can hit on people and not be a weirdo, yep. but it takes time. Like you can oh, flirt yes. with your coworker. I don't care, but consent matters mm-hmm. a lot. And you can't just come out the gate with, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Talk to her like she's a normal 
human because yeah. she is. Have a conversation, have several conversations over Go the course lunch. of weeks. Yeah. Eat lunch with her. That's a normal thing that coworkers do. Do that over time. And eventually you will suss out whether or not she is also vibing on you. Mm-hmm. And then you can ask her out on a date or tell her she's pretty or something. But you can't just do that like out of nowhere. There is no situation in which it's appropriate or professional to mm-hmm. do that out of nowhere, not at the office, not at a tech conference, not like the barista at Starbucks, <laughs> not the bartender. You can't do that. We are at work mm-hmm. for fuck's sake. Yeah. Or we're just living our lives, right? Like yeah. you can't assume everybody wants you as you walk down the street. Like, yeah, you can't. And like, and I, I am married, but my mm-hmm. husband is very uncomfortable with me talking about him on Twitter because mm-hmm. I have 20,000 Twitter followers and he doesn't like the attention. Mm-hmm. So I don't post pictures of him and I almost never tweet about him. Mm-hmm. And it is, it sucks that these people respect my husband more than they respect me. They respect his ownership of me more than they respect me. Because if I say, no, thank you, I'm not interested, they will lash out. If I say, no, thank you, I'm married, Mm. they go away. Interesting. Stop that. Like, yeah, we we have autonomy. Like, yeah, if someone says they're not interested, you don't lash out. That's mm -mm, just don't don't do it. That's weird. That's, that's weird. And like, I, I don't know how many ways I can say, like, okay. you can't fucking hit on people at work. Like, mm-hmm. don't hit on me at a conference before they get it, but... They won't get it. They won't get it. It's it's very much uh, still a thing. And that's just the, like, the sexual harassment aspect. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, people assume that I don't know anything because... I'm a woman, like at, uh, at a conference in person, an in-person mm-hmm. one, I was working the booth and um, it's really common for people to assume that I'm a recruiter. Mm-hmm. That that happens a lot because they're, uh, engineering is a male-dominated field and recruiting is a female-dominated field. Yep. And uh, this guy started asking me like product questions, um, which, mm-hmm. which fine. So he probably assumed I was sales or whatever. Um, but he asked to talk to an engineer at one point. I was like, oh, no, I'm an engineer. So like, mm-hmm. go ahead and and ask your question. Like, I'll be happy to help you on a, on a technical level here. And yeah. he was like, okay, well, do you know what a DNS server is? <laughs> and I know that y'all aren't technical, so you won't. I know uh, what that you... is. <laughs> okay. So for the listeners who aren't technical, a DNS server is like, a, it's a core part of how the internet works. Uh, it's, any engineer, any, well, software engineer is going to know what a DNS server is. Hardware engineers know what a DNS server is. Lots of people who aren't engineers know what a DNS server is. It's ubiquitous. And I said, yes, I'm an engineer. I know what a DNS server is. And he then proceeded to explain to me how the internet works. And I was like, I don't know how many ways I can tell you that I understand the concept of the internet on a technical level. And I would like, my neck was turning red. I was like, it was going to tear this guy's throat up. And my boss was standing like right next to me. Mm-hmm. And he saw me starting to like flare up. So he like, just like swooped in and took the guy. But like that kind of stuff happens a lot. 
And it doesn't happen to my male colleagues. No. Nobody has ever explained. Right. The mansplaining. It's just BS. Yeah. It, it's it's ridiculous. Like nobody explains how the internet works to my Mm-mm. male colleagues. Mm-mm. No. But do you do like sometimes what I do in those situations, because people assume, and I mean, I get it, like I'm in recruiting, but I've also been around the block for 15 minutes or years or so. Sure. And so like I start proving that I'm smart. Because I'm not a dodo bird and I know things and like, I can't, no, I can't code, but like, I do know what a server is versus networking and layers of networking and all that, whatever. So I like go harder. So I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. That is it. That is time to, if we're going to turn this into a, there's no other way to say this, a dick measuring contest, then let's go buddy. Like, (laughs) let's fight about it. You're going to look stupid though. <laughs> but other cats said was like the mansplaining or just the, the, the assumption that you're not going to be as bright. And like, yeah. when in fact <laughs> you may be even brighter. Um, but you were talking about like the significant other thing. And I think, you know, that's a piece to hit. Like, I get that people do meet at work. Right. Right. Yeah. But, totally. Like, you know, we, we give advice all the time around like, if you like someone, like you treat them normally, you don't assume they're available. You don't assume they're available to you. Like, and if it's at work, you have to take it even slower because your company probably has policies about dating together. So yeah. you just, you make sure you're friends. You really make sure you like them. You don't like have a one night stand with a coworker because that really doesn't go well the that, next day. That's not good. Yeah. No, yeah. It's just do not do that. Right. Do not do that. Just bad form. But it's easy to just be friends with people, you know? And if it goes somewhere, it goes somewhere. But like, just just talk to me like a normal person. Like, I'm definitely not going to date you because again, I'm married. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, maybe we could be friends if you you weren't so fucking awkward, bud. Yeah. (laughs) That's such a good point. (laughs) And like, I want you to talk for a minute about, like you mentioned, like the Twitter friends. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that Twitter's a weird place because you and LinkedIn kind of too. Like you feel like you know someone, but Twitter's even more casual. So people are like being snarky and funny. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, they're my bud. And so, like, how do you suggest if someone says, Wow, Kat's got cool things to say? She's like, she's she's smart, she's funny, she's snarky. I want, <laughs> I want to be her friend. Like, how do they do that? How do you become a friend without being a creeper stalker? Uh, you know, I think that's a thing that takes, uh, takes time to learn how to do. Cause I, I make most of my friends on the internet. Most, most of my best friends mm-hmm. I met mm-hmm. online, mm-hmm. um, after I'm done recording this, I'm going to go get on a zoom with some friends that I, I care about quite a lot that I have never met in person. But <laughs> I'm on the internet. Uh, I met my husband because I met one of his, uh, fencing one of his students on IRC 15 mm-hmm. years ago, yeah. you know, uh, but he, it happens organically, you know, mm-hmm. like people reply to my tweet. It's, it's harder now because I, I get so much engagement now, but mm-hmm. if I see somebody replying to my tweets on a regular basis and they like, they always have something like interesting or funny or insightful to say, mm-hmm. and I, I do like reply to people on Twitter mm-hmm. and it turns into a conversation. I will mm-hmm. follow them back. Mm-hmm. And like this, this happens over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I'll maybe we'll start talking in Twitter DMs. And if that continues to result in like normal, interesting, <laughs> fruitful conversations, 
maybe I'll add them on Discord mm-hmm. and we'll start talking there. Yeah. And there's like this hierarchy of uh, of internet friends. Like if I only talk to you publicly in Twitter replies, we have probably a parasocial relationship. We are yeah. we are not friends. Uh, even if we're mutuals on Twitter, we're probably not, I wouldn't call you friends. We're Twitter mutuals. We are friendly acquaintances, right? Mm-hmm. If we DM regularly, you know, maybe, maybe we're kind of friends, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't invite you over, but I would invite you out for beers mm-hmm. type of situation. If we're like, if we're talking privately on discord, like we're using another messaging application yeah. to talk, then we're friends. If you have my phone number, <laughs> right? we're actually friends. And there, I don't give out my phone number very often. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's, there's like maybe, I don't know, six Twitter people who have my <laughs> phone number uh, in total. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not an invitation listeners <laughs> to go looking for my phone number. Cause I yeah. will block it. I, I will. First of all, I don't answer my phone. So good okay. luck. <laughs> it's been on do not disturb for like four years. I straight up don't know what my ringtone sounds like. Yeah. So like, you're welcome to try, but I will just block your phone number. <laughs> the fact that you have to say that, the fact that you have to say that is BS. I know. Like, it's so, like, it's oh so shit. Wild. I just gave them the hierarchy and now people are going to look at my damn number. Like that's <laughs> I know. a problem. That is a problem. And and people people will, you know, it, it'll happen. I have a fake Instagram account and an actual Instagram account because mm-hmm. my, my actual Instagram is private. Mm-hmm. It's only got like 600 followers. I know them all personally in real life, but people assume that because it's an Instagram and it's private, that there's lewds on there. <sighs> So I get something like 30 friend requests a week from random dudes I don't know who went digging for my Instagram from my Twitter. Uh, So I have a separate Instagram account that is public. Mm -hmm. The bio just says no. And the only post on it is an image like explaining like, if you're here, you have made a mistake like don't do this like the other account is private for a reason yeah Mm. this is not the account you're looking for you're you're not going to get to add me on instagram we're not friends please stop it Mm -hmm. my bio of my main instagram account is literally just i don't accept friend requests from random dudes on twitter Mm -hmm. and i still i still get them i get less now that i have the like honeypot instagram Mm -hmm. account but Mm -hmm. it's still i don't know five or ten a week at this point so why would someone want to be a public woman in tech? Because you make it sound great. Uh, yeah, so it sucks. <laughs> it turns out it it sucks. <laughs> but um, I would like it to not suck mm-hmm. because I, I don't I don't think women should be kept out of this space. And mm-hmm. if people like me who can tolerate it and who are like loud and nasty and aggressive enough to shut these things down when they see it, are here then like we we can make this better it's mm-hmm. it's slow but it is better like virtually every conference today and certainly everyone that matters now has an actual viable code of conduct that's enforced mm-hmm. and that's not a thing we had 5 years ago yeah. and that that exists because of people like me being loud and mean and refusing to tolerate anybody's bullshit so mm-hmm. it sucks now but it's getting better. Um, and if you if you would like to help it suck less, yeah, you know, we'll hold space for you and mm-hmm. we do take care of each other. Yeah. And we we will protect you when 
things do inevitably go poorly because they will eventually, you will have to deal with something that sucks. And you have a support group that will take care of it for you. Also, we know everybody. We talk to everybody. We hear about it. So, you know, if you're interviewing somewhere and you want to know if this company has like internal problems on their engineering team that are sexist or homophobic or racist or turfy, Mm -hmm. we've heard about it. So just ask. There's a whisper network for a reason, but also I like attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so like initially I did it because I like attention, but I stayed because I wanted to fix it. Yeah, okay. that's so true. <laughs> well, I like that, you know, you're kind of leaning into community a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about that, especially sure. with the women in tech community. It seems to be really inclusive. I see a lot of women talking about their experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your experience in the women in tech community and how someone can get involved? So I work with a, a few different like women in tech groups. My previous employer is a sponsor of women in DevOps. So um, mm. I do I did a lot of speaking for them. I taught a lot of workshops. Um, I also have taught classes for Chick Tech, which is an organization. Uh, I think it's nationwide, but for the the Seattle chapter, I taught Python classes for um, high school aged girls. I love that. And it's it's really it's really satisfying because like. I was lucky to, my dad is an engineer, so mm-hmm. I was lucky to grow up in an environment where it was like actively encouraged mm-hmm. for me to be this way. Like my my dad loved that I loved computers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was never, ever, ever made to feel like this was weird or mm-hmm. unladylike or that I should be doing something softer, like reading Pride and Prejudice next to a window <laughs> overlooking a lake. You know, I was never made to feel that way, but that's not true for a lot of women. You know, yeah. a, lot, a lot of girls grow up being told that they, they can't do this or they shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's horseshit. Like, mm-hmm. does it suck? Yes. But mm-hmm. if you're interested in it, you should be given the tools and the encouragement to actually go and do it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a really satisfying thing to to be able to provide for people. It makes you feel like warm and fuzzy. Is it good for my career? Yeah, I guess from a publicity standpoint, mm-hmm. it wasn't when I started doing it. It was just something I enjoyed doing. Now it is paradoxically like actually good for my career. Yeah. <laughs> but um it just it just feels nice. I also have taught a there's like a a LinkedIn group I think for like um, stay at home moms who are trying to like change careers mm-hmm. into tech. Um, I don't have kids, but I do have lots of free time and two extremely needy cats. <laughs> so and also I've switched careers. So <laughs> yeah. Um I've taught I've taught for them too, which is mm-hmm. which is also very satisfying because like some a lot of these women are stuck at home. They are they are bored. They uh feel trapped. They are mm-hmm. not intellectually stimulated. Mm-hmm. And this is a way for them to like maybe make a life-changing amount of money for mm-hmm. their family mm-hmm. and also it like it's it's really fun it's like like tech tech can be fun like yeah. engineering is fun if you like solving puzzles it's fun mm-hmm. and it's it's i don't know you get to change somebody's life when you give them the tools to go and do something that they were never told as a kid that they could do totally that's awesome <laughs> so did you read the book um uncanny valley by anna Weiner? it came out last year 
I did not. I have this thing about books where I, I only read fiction. Oh, it's, well, I guess it's not fiction. It's, it, it reads like fiction, but, no, it's, but it's, not. it's a story of her life. It's, it's not fiction. It's, it's a biography. It's biographical mm. and it's about being a woman in support and in customer success. And I just finished it and I'm like, like the microaggressions and the, like all Constant. the things they're talking about and like the talking down to them or like, oh, you, you know, you just love our customers. That's why you want your job. It's like, no, I'm here for a paycheck. I live in. Super- I'm here for the money, yeah, baby. Exactly. Yeah, the money. Every time the "Why are you in tech?" conversation comes up, I'm like, mm-hmm. "Dude, I like to get paid." Mm-hmm. Like before this, I was a bartender in mm-hmm. a strip club. Okay, mm-hmm. did I make good money? Yes, yes. but the hours sucked. Mm-hmm. And like, I would never. There's no universe in which I would make as much money bartending in a strip club as I do in tech. I switched right. careers. Because I wanted the fat paycheck. I like nice things. Yeah. I want to buy a house. Right. And that's okay. It's totally fine to be motivated by money. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate this thing in tech where they're like, oh, you have to be motivated by, like, the, the art of the code. It's a, you know, it's an art form. And if you're not doing it for the art, for the love of it, mm-hmm. then you're somehow inferior, like, Dude, money also motivates me to constantly be like learning and upskilling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because if I learn more and I upskill more and I network better, I get a fatter paycheck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't recruit for free. It's just not my yeah. thing. Nope. Yeah, it's like, not my thing. I, I teach for free Yeah, for nonprofits because mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I work yeah. in the tech industry because nobody else is going to pay me this much. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I career coach for, for free mm-hmm. for people who, in need. I don't... Yeah. Right. But the rest is all for profit. Yeah, I got a house husband and <laughs> I, I need to take care of my house husband. <laughs> there you have it. And that's, it's funny. So you mentioned, so one of the things that when I was reading this book and I'm reading about our experiences, I'm like reliving a lot of things that I don't even realize I do. And I was like thinking, like, since I I got into tech, my husband was at VMware. I was <laughs> commuting from the peninsula up to the city and hating my commute and spending too much on parking. So yeah. he got me, he got me introduced to VMware. So I've been introduced, I've been married the whole time I've been in tech. And it's funny, like I started thinking, like I'm always, like you said, you don't always talk about being married because of your husband's references. I'm always like, when I first meet someone, I'm like, I mention my husband, I make sure I always am wearing a ring. Like I, yeah. mm-hmm. I like lead with yep. it. Yep. And I think that that's like a protection that I don't even know that I knew I was doing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's something Weird. we're definitely conditioned to do because like, mm-hmm. Before I had a public persona, then like, yes, all the time, it would be, oh, my husband, mm-hmm. Michael, who is mm-hmm. a fencing coach mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. all the time. And then like before I was married, whether it was it was him or somebody else, it was, oh, my boyfriend or oh, my girlfriend. It was like, it's it's a defense mechanism. It is. And we're mm-hmm. absolutely conditioned to do that. Like, especially at bars before I was married. Geez, since I was like 19, I would like, I would wear a ring on my ring finger at bars to avoid getting hit on, you know? And that's, yeah. that's fucked up. It, it is. Yeah, that's not right. Because a guy would never do that. No, no, Ever. they don't have to. No. They don't have to. And like, like, why are we still doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, we're, we're really, we're just people. We're just, just people like everybody else. And we don't, 
to deserve well, to be treated like that. <laughs> well, and and because we're talking about it at work, especially like we yeah. are people in a professional setting. Right. Correct. That's key there. I mean, that's really it's like key. that. that's the dot. Right. Yeah. People, if people are wondering, well, how do I behave? If you're in a professional situation, behave professionally. Period. Yeah. Yeah. And right? I may Even not be simple. professional. Like I don't yeah. behave professionally by, I mean, I don't wear a suit. You know, I swear a lot, but I don't hit on people in the hallway right. track. But right. you're not making other people feel. I think that no. behaving you're professional not- means people are comfortable in your presence. Right. Yeah. Because you're not doing things to make people uncomfortable, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Which it's, it sucks that that has to be like considered professionalism and not just like the default for interacting with other humans. But yeah, mm-hmm. like the hallway track isn't Tinder. Mm-hmm. The break room isn't Tinder. Mm-hmm. It like just just quit it. it. Like if a woman gives a like banging conference talk, like certainly don't email her afterwards to ask mm-hmm. her on a date. No. And it- then when she responds negatively to that, <laughs> definitely also don't send her like a three paragraph long email about how she's wrong for being offended that you asked her out on a date after a conference mm-hmm. talk. That's <laughs> the thing. It's like this you give a conference talk, the only right thing is to say a follow-up question, like, yep. hey, you were talking about this, I have a question, or great job. Right. Pretty much. Otherwise, done. Done. that's it, period. And if you hated the talk because you didn't think it made sense and you didn't get it, you know, sometimes you can review them or whatever. Yeah, but leave me feedback. But, whatever. But don't hit on me. Like, and if you thought I was cool and like you 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 see me see me give a talk, you thought it was a banging talk, you think I'm cool and I've got cool ideas, and maybe you also think I'm hot, follow me on Twitter and have a conversation with me like a normal person, mm-hmm. please. And probably keep the fact that you think I'm hot to yourself. Yes. So. Totally. Like, I really don't need to know that. Like, nobody mm-hmm. needs to know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So Kat, let's let's go back to you talked a little bit about the Whisper Network and how do you recommend people assess if a company is a good work environment besides that network? What 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 do you do or what do you, what do you recommend folks do? So Liz has interviewed me before, actually. <laughs> so I like to ask like whether or not a conflict has ever arisen within a team that uh at its at its core felt like discrimination was mm-hmm. was the issue like whether it was a sexist thing or uh somebody was said something insensitive mm-hmm. or homophobic or racist or whatever um i i ask whether or not a conflict like that has ever happened and if so like how was it handled like specifically mm-hmm. like what happened from the time it was reported to whom to the resolution Mm-hmm. That that is a big thing. I ask about how the team feels about politics being discussed at work. There has been some drama in the news about politics in the workplace recently mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a company whose name I won't mention because I don't want to mm-hmm. give them any more publicity. Mm-hmm. But if a company says that politics is not a welcome topic of discussion at work, that is an enormous red flag. And you should run screaming for the hills mm-hmm. because... What that says is we don't discuss uncomfortable topics and we right. won't stand up for you when something happens that affects you disproportionately. Some people's entire existences are politicized mm-hmm. and they don't have the luxury of not discussing politics. Politics is why we have a 40-hour work week mm-hmm. and why your landlord charges you the rent that your landlord charges you. Like 
you, you cannot say that you can't discuss politics at work. Like that is the biggest red flag for me. And I always ask that during job interviews. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a good one. But also, you know, like conflict resolution discussion is, mm-hmm. is really, really important because it tells you a lot mm-hmm. about the management and it tells you a lot about the company's HR department. Mm-hmm. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Yeah. Like HR is not there to protect you. HR is there to protect the company. And sometimes those interests overlap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got to find out like, where are HR's interests? Are they going to shut up the victim because they're, they're marginalized and it's easier to get away with shutting them up mm-hmm. by letting them go? Or are they going to shut up the person who actually started the problem and is in the wrong, mm-hmm. but they're from a more powerful socioeconomic group than you and it might create a little bit of drama if they fire that person like that that decision yeah. matters see and i i think and cat i don't know cuz yes cat and i are both longtime hr peeps uh like i think hr's job is to protect both and yes. that doing the right thing at the end protects both mm-hmm. the person and the company and is better long term and in terms of all kinds of recruiting and all kinds of retention and all those things. But I think that that is rare. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, you and I both know that not everyone is that way, Liz. Yeah. I wish that was common. I really, I really wish that yeah. was common yeah. because I do, I do think that's the ideal way for right. an HR department to exist. Like you, you can't really protect the company without also protecting your employees. Right. But unfortunately it's not, it's but, not the reality everywhere. It's not the default, you know? No, no. Well, we could like talk for hours or do a series or more, but, and both of us want to see tech diversify authentically during our careers. And I know that's your goal for your career. Mm -hmm. And and we just appreciate people like you calling it out and making it happen. Um, So thank you so much for joining us. Please plug away on the public appropriate places for people to find you. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at Dixie3Flatline. That is the number three. I do interact with people on Twitter. If you do DM me on Twitter, you can. Just please don't send me a message that just begins with hi. Send me the actual question all at once because like 95% of the time, if I respond to a message that just says hi, it is an inappropriate photo. So don't do that, please, to anyone ever. Send me the, just send me the question. Yeah. Uh, I do have a LinkedIn. It is my first name and last name, Kat Cosgrove. However, I don't really use it. So mm-hmm. good luck. <laughs> Twitter is really the best way to get a hold of me. <laughs> awesome. Well, right. thank you so much. Yeah. yeah thank you thanks so much. For having we, me. we enjoyed talking with you today and this hopefully is going to be enlightening to some of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Good. I hope so. Thank you. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk. And on Instagram and Facebook at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat, And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beeks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a Tech Reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. 
And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you.